Hey, mister, got a match? Yeah. What else you got? I see the money, man. You'll have to take it. Is here, East Society Podcast. I've been watching these films uh, the last few days. Um, just found out there was more than four. I thought there was only four films, but I'm not going to tackle. I think there's five total, I think. I, I could be wrong, everyone, but I'm going to tackle the, uh, the Death Wish series. But tonight, I'm just going to come at you with the first two, Death Wish and Death Wish 2. Enjoy a typical afternoon in New York City. My name is Paul Kersey. How's my wife? I'm sorry. She died a few minutes ago, Mr. Kersey. This is the story of a man who decided to clean up the most violent town in the world. He begins where all the super cops leave off. Call him a mad vigilante. Call him a hero. Either way, he's always on target. Never make a death wish. Because a death wish always comes true. And you get to love it. Rated R. Yeah, this is a film, the first one, came out in 1974. And this film was introduced to me by my dad, like a lot of the things when I was growing up. And I remember seeing it for the first time. It was on TV. I didn't see it when it was in the theater because I only would have been three years old. But uh, my dad was a huge Charles Bronson fan. And then so I was like, I was just, I remember waking up one morning and I think I, I caught like the end of it on uh, whatever cable channel we had showtime i believe and uh it wasn't it wasn't too bad i mean just we'll get to it when we get to it but i was kind of fascinated with it at at such a young age and i was like well i want to see this whole movie because i like the title death wish uh for me growing up watching the cowboy films or the the war films of the 70s and, and earlier uh, I was like, all right, cool. This guy seems rough and tough. I don't know who he is, but he looks badass. He's got this sweet mustache. And he's out there uh, fighting crime in New York City. But Death Wish, 1974. A New York City architect becomes a one-man vigilante squad after his wife is murdered by street punks. In self-defense, the vengeful man kills muggers on the mean streets after dark. This is directed by Michael Winner. Story written by Brian Garfield, Wendell Mays, and Gerald Wilson. And this stars the great Charles Bronson, Hope Lang, Vincent Gardena, Stephen Keats, William Renfield, Stuart Margolon, I think that's his name, and a bunch of other people in this. 
be it police, street people, uh, or people in the streets, and then the muggers and everything. So I couldn't tell you who those uh, muggers were. But I can tell you one gentleman, uh, a guy that you guys all know, a Jeff Goldblum. I believe this was his first film. And uh, I didn't know who he was at the time. But later on, as we saw the other films of Jeff Goldblum, and even up to now, he's still out there doing it. Um, I was like, all right, cool. Um, he, you got to start somewhere. I mean, I just watched this little interview with him and he said it was his very first film and it was a really dark movie, but he said he had a fun time doing it. But, uh, yeah, I'll get to that scene in a minute, but yeah, this one is he's Paul Kersey is a uh, Charles Bronson's, um, character. He's just living his life uh, in New York city with his wife and he has a, a daughter, I believe she had to be in her twenties and now what was her daughter's name? Um, where the heck is it? I can't remember her. Um, Hope Lang played his wife, Joanna, and I cannot find who his daughter was. I believe she was played by, Hmm. She's got to be here. Oh, uh, Kathleen, uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Tolan. She played Carol Kersey Toby. Okay. <laughs> oh, she was married. She was married to uh, Stephen Keats. He played Jack Toby. All right. I was like, why she got two last names? That's right. She was married. Yeah. So she was in her 20s, I believe. But anyway. So he's living his life. He's just having a, uh, he went on vacation with his wife. I believe they went to Hawaii or some, somewhere where there was beaches. Uh, then they go back uh, to New York City. He goes back to work. Uh, his wife and his daughter are out uh, shopping. And then this is when we see Jeff Goldblum in the gang. Uh, there's three, I believe, uh, the three muggers that are in this. And they kind of uh, follow them home. Well, they get the, when the, Paul Kersey's wife, she wants her um, her uh, her groceries delivered. So when, when they uh, box it up and write her address down, the uh, gang uh, little street uh, street toughs they call him Freak because Jeff Goldblum he didn't have a name. He's just listed as Freak One. Uh, okay, well you can't give everybody a name uh, in this. The other two were uh, Christopher Logan who played Freak Two. And Gregory Razakis as Freak 3. Okay. I mean, learn something new every day. I didn't even know they had uh, names in this. But so, yeah. So they're uh, doing the getting groceries. They go home. The little street, the free, street freaks, they follow them home. And then they basically just uh, break into their apartment. Well, they go up and they knock on the door and... Uh, say, oh, this is delivery, and then so they open the door, and then these those three charge in. Uh, basically, they're just going to rob them, but then the robbery turns into uh, murder and rape. They uh, beat up the mom, and I just she just died from uh, the beating. I don't know if she died right there; she might have died in the hospital. But then they turn to the daughter, and they basically all three of them rape her, and then they get. They take off, and then that's pretty much all we see of them. See of them. Uh, Paul Kersey, he's at work. He gets a call. 
from his son-in-law to uh, come to the hospital. So he races over there and uh, he, he, does, he doesn't know much. He just said the police just told us that they were attacked. Um, and then he goes, that's all they know. So the doctors come out and tell him, hey, your daughter's all right. Uh, she's a little beat up, but she'll she'll make it. And, and then he turns to Paul Kersey, Charles Bronson's character. And he goes, sorry, man, your your wife, she she died from from all her injuries. So that's where Paul was just like crushed and destroyed. So he doesn't, uh, he just he still goes to work. His son-in-law is still trying to talk to him. But his daughter, the the trauma from, from the incident basically just, she just kind of lost it. She just went into like uh, not really a vegetated, vegetated state, but just kind of just didn't want to talk, didn't want people to touch her or anything. She kind of just laid there in bed. So, but Paul, he, I mean, life has, life goes on. I mean, it's rough, man. I, I mean, I know that from experience. I mean, after what I had went through, you, you got to move forward. It's tough. And I know everyone tackles the loss of a loved one differently, but I mean, some people go just, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into it, but what he chose to do is he kept working, um, and uh, he was doing, he uh, had to go to a business trip out in Tucson, in Arizona. So he went out there. He met up with uh, one of the guys that was going to help him. He was going to design, um, I assume, condos out in the desert in Arizona. Uh, shout out to you guys that do live in Arizona. Thank you for listening. Uh, my son just came back from Phoenix area, and he said it was like 114 or something crazy like that. I can't do it. It's in the 90s here where I'm at, and that's hot enough for me. I, I I give it to you guys and gals that live down there. Shout out to my girl, Becca. I I can't do it. I can't even go visit at this time. It's too hot for me. I'm weak. But anyway, so he goes down there. He talks to uh, the guy. He's kind of helps him design this thing. But um, down there, this, this gentleman is telling him that, yeah, he is... Um, Everyone carries guns down here. I mean, he doesn't know uh, what Paul has gone through, but uh, he visits a guy named uh, Genchil or Arm Ames. Gen I think that's his name. Uh, he's a uh, residential development pro. He has a residential development project. Yeah, basically condos. So he kind of goes down there and uh, helps him design it. And then for fun, he goes, "Hey man, why don't you let's?" Uh, they they watch this like Wild West show. Uh, in this like made up little town, and then of course they got the gunslingers. If you guys have been to those, those are neat to watch, especially if you're a little kid. Um, so he watched all that, and he kind of tell him, yeah, everyone carries guns down here. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. So he goes out, he goes to the uh, the shooting range, and they practice, and then he starts shooting because he had, the the guy asked him asked Paul Kersey, he's like, hey, have you been around guns? He goes, yeah, I've been around them. Um, so then he starts shooting some target practice and basically gets a, a hole in, not a hole in one, or like dead center on one of the targets. And that guy's like blown away and he goes, yeah, I've been around guns my whole life. And, uh, we find out that he was in, uh, the Korean war. Um, he was a conscientious objector, but he still, uh, served as a, uh, combat, combat medic. Uh, so he knew how to handle guns and everything. So. Uh, the business, they, they do their business. He goes through, helps him design uh, what he wants to build. And then he goes, all right, man. So he takes him to the airport. And he goes, hey, man, I put a present in, in your bag for you. So uh, 
Chris, he flies back to New York. He gets and he unpacks his bags and he sees the present that's in there. So he opens it up. It's a nice little uh, wood case, I believe. And he opens up and it's a gun. A uh, little, it's a little six shooter. I don't know. I don't know my gun. So I, I couldn't tell you uh, what kind of gun it was. Um, let me see. I'm trying to look uh, to see. if you For those of you that, that, that do know guns and you've seen this film, uh, it's not it's not a huge hand cannon. Um, again, I don't, I don't know guns, <laughs> so so he's like, um, all right. So he he's just kind of doing his thing. Well, let me, let me go back a little. Um, before he went to uh, um, Arizona, he does kind of just. Oh wait, let me see. Am I jumping ahead? I think I think I did because he. Um, it was after the after the funeral of his wife. He's kind of just um, walking along, and uh, this guy comes up behind a mugger, uh, and then, oh, um, he kind of he he was realizing like he, because he was calling the police and asking them if they if they've seen if they've known anything about his wife's case, his wife and his daughter's case, and they're kind of like, nah, we don't we don't know anything, so. He's like, all right. So he kind of just kind of takes uh, the law into his own hands. He goes and gets like, I don't know, like five dollars and quarters or something like that, and he puts it in a sock. And then he kind of puts it in his pocket. And he goes out. And he's walking in the street and he's walking along. Some guy comes up behind the mugger, trying to mug him. Uh, Give me your money. And he turns around and he swings that sock of quarters or whatever it is, and dude hits that guy in the face. And then he takes off. So he goes back uh, to his house and he's um, he's trying to he's all nervous and everything. He runs in his, in his apartment. And he's, he's trying to pour some whiskey in a glass and his hands are all shaky. And then he kind of takes that drink and it kind of takes the edge off. And then he's kind of swinging those those quarters around that sock and swinging them. Just, yeah, like I got this. And then he hits the, the chair with one and the quarters go all over the place. So that was the first uh, encounter that he had with, with a mugger. Men kind of comes to his senses, and then he goes uh, to Tucson, comes back, everything, opens up his gift, and he's got a gun. So now he's looking at it, a little nice little silver uh, handgun. Again, six-shooter. So from what I understand, again, like I said, I don't know guns. All, all my, a lot of my friends that do are, are gun owners. They tell me just to get a uh a revolver because uh according to them they don't jam because uh they were saying that i mean those little automatics and everything those are cool and everything but there's always that high jamming situation again i this is what they tell me i i don't know <laughs> so but anyway so he loads up uh he goes out into the streets and he, he's just kind of walking along and he's walking along the i don't know what part of manhattan he lives in so i don't know which river that is hudson or whatever the other one is on the other side on the jersey side so he's walking along and there's this guy up uh up in the background you can see that he's following him and it's dark it's night and um don't walk around the streets at night anywhere don't matter where you're at <laughs> so always be on the lookout so he does kind of notice there's somebody up there and then he, he comes to a little path and then this guy comes running down hey, he's a, hey do you got you got any money and he turns around and then that guy pulls out a switchblade and he goes, well, give me all your money. And then he slowly turns around 
and he's got his gun. She blasts him a couple times, and then he ah, he falls down, and then Paul just takes off. And so he's like, "Oh man!" And then he he runs home, and then he's just like so uh, scared. I guess he just goes into the bathroom and just ah, starts throwing up everywhere. <laughs> so so I'll let, so but the we get the uh, the police uh, involved. Um, what is that guy's name? He was a, come on, man. Internet, you guys are killing me here. Um, he was a detective. I cannot remember this gentleman's name. I need to see his face. Ooh, uh, Vincent Gardena. He plays Frank Ochoa. I believe he was just a sergeant or lieutenant. I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, um, oh, he's a cop. That's <laughs> about all I could tell you. Uh, oh, he's an uh, NYPD inspector, Frank uh, Ochoa. He's so he's kind of like um, I don't think they really kind of get involved yet until after he uh takes out a couple guys, from what I remember. Because then later, again, I mean, the next guy, so the cops, they're aware that there's somebody, uh, that this guy was dead, that was killed, murdered on the side. And they kind of think it was a, uh, uh, maybe it was a drug deal or something gone sideways or whatever. So I don't think much. So Paul's still trying to do his life. He does go and visit his daughter uh, at the hospital, and she's just not, not doing good at all. So he's out uh, walking the streets again. He comes across these three muggers. They're mugging uh, somebody in the alley. And he walks up. He's just strutting around New York City in a trench coat. So I assume it's during the winter's time because everybody is is uh, layered up. But these uh, three young black gentlemen come at him. Uh, one with a pipe and one with a knife. And I can't see what the other guy's got. And they basically, yeah, give me your money. And he pulls out his gun and just boom, boom. Blasts the first two. Uh, he hits one, then he uh, chases him. He hits him in the leg, and he chases him a little bit while he's trying to climb the fence, and then he just ends up shooting that guy uh, in the back. And so he goes down. So after that, he's kind of like, he's not, he's probably still nervous and everything, but not as bad as he was the, the first time. Like, like like the guy that he hit with the, the bag of quarters and then the, the first dude he killed. So this time now they're like, all right, um... Especially with the when the what are the guys that uh, I I can't the, the 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 words not coming to me, but the guys that investigate everything and then they pull the bullets out of the um uh out of the bodies and they do realize that this is these bullets are coming from uh, the same uh, caliber of uh, of ammo that's being used. Uh, that killed the first guy, and then it killed these three dudes. So now they kind of all right. I think we we have a vigilante on our hands. So uh, it's already in the news, and the cops don't know who it is. So they're really starting to uh, look into it a little bit more. We go to another scene. Uh, they're on a train, or Paul's on the train, and we see these two uh, these two white guys. One they're looking one in a leather jacket, and the other one looking all rough and tough in some kind of crazy hat. They get to uh, the subway car that Paul Kersey's in. He's just sitting there reading a the newspaper. 
Uh, there's two other people in the train, but the uh, the two little street tough guys look at them and they they get off at the next stop. So when they get off, uh, now's their time. There, there's a, a cop on the train, but he's like maybe in a couple cars away. They walk up on Paul while he's sitting there reading the newspaper. One of them pulls out a switchblade and basically just cuts cuts the paper, and he's holding out his hands, and then he pulls out his gun and blasts that guy with a knife. And then he walks up on the other guy and blasts him. And then he just smoothly just gets to the next uh, subway station and he just gets out and uh, starts walking. But people are, are getting on the train. And then when they get on, you hear people, ah, I hear somebody scream. And then the cops come running in and then he just slowly walks out or kind of hurries up these stairs and just blends into the crowd uh, that's in the street. The cops come running up. Did anyone see him? Does anyone know what he looks like? And they just, they don't see him. He was just quick, quick like that. So the cops again, they're like, all right, we need to, uh, this is, they're serious now. They're like, all right, this is, this is a vigilante. So we need, we need to do something about this. So they kind of come up with this idea of like, look, we need to figure out, is there anyone that, uh, this person obviously knows how to shoot. So let's look into um i don't know criminals that are just regular street people or regular people that they were like were in the wars or in the be it be it vietnam or korea and i think at that time they only went to those those two wars um so they do find out that um paul was uh hit like they find out that his wife and his daughter his wife was murdered and his daughter was sexually assaulted so they're, they're kind of like, all right, well, this guy, they read his name, Paul Kersey. There's nothing, never been arrested, no anything. So they're like, all right, well, they're not really sure. So they're kinda, they kind of, they have some guys uh, picked, and his name is one of them. So, but while he's still out there doing his thing, and the cops are slowly uh, working through it all, he's uh, walking through the, the subway station. He comes upon uh, these two black gentlemen. And they basically pull out their switch blades and give me your money and all that. But then he blasts uh, one of them. They're like they kind of surround him. One's in front of him, one's in the back. And uh, I think they wanted like a match or something. So one of them pulls out a switch blade. He look, and the other guy pulls out a switch blade and give me your money. He turns, he's got his hand in his pocket and his guns in there. And he just boom, boom. He shoots both of them. But one of them gets close enough to stab him in the, uh, back of his left shoulder so he blasts the other one that's laying on the ground the other one's running and he pumps one into his back but that guy makes it up to the street and then just kind of collapses and a cop comes running in he runs downstairs and he sees the other cop and then uh, paul just kind of easily just gets right onto a train and uh takes off so but so, all right, so the cops and everybody are, are still, like, on the, the lookout for uh, who they are. They, they do have an idea of um, who it is because the, the cop was kind of narrowing it down, the, uh, the, the inspector. Or did I say inspector? Um, Ochoa, that guy. Yeah, Inspector Frank Ochoa. He kind of realizes it. So... He's like, all right. So they start to to follow him. And then they do, they they pull him over and they, they search him and everything. He doesn't have his gun. 
when he kind of realized that they were looking and they were like all like they were getting close to him he uh he had his gun at home but then he he started leaving it in uh in his office uh at work so they were like okay you need to really watch this guy cuz we think it's him but then when the uh when they kind of realize when Frank uh, Ochoa really kind of realizes that it is him um they're like okay well i think this is the guy and and we need to get him but then the the district attorney and, and the police commissioner they're like you know what crime has been down for the longest like like percentage wise and everything they're like look man all the muggings and everything has just dropped since this guy's been on the streets and then they were like you can't we should just let it go. And then the, the inspector is like, Frank Ochoa is like, what? And he's like, he's out there killing people. And then we're, we're supposed to stop all that. And they're like, well, come on. He goes, well, we can't arrest him. So let's just, uh, why don't you just kind of push him and tell him to stop? <laughs> so he was like, all right. So, cause they basically came from the top. Like, look, you need to tell this fool to just slow his roll and knock it off for now. So uh Achoa, he kinda he calls them. He goes he he notices that the, the Paul Kersey knows that they're, they're following him. So he kinda calls him one night and said, Hey, I know who you are, I know what you're doing, and you need to stop. You're being watched, and then just hangs up. So he's like, Oh man. But I mean he's still out. He basically he's out there, he's stopping crime and everything, but I think on the in, inside he's still trying to find uh or find the killers of his wife. But I I don't think he even knows who they look like. We never, ever um, go back to those three guys, Jeff Goldblum and the two other dudes, uh, ever again. They just, they got away. So he's out uh, on the streets again, and he's walking along. He kind of uh, sneaks out of his apartment, goes out the back way, because he knows the cops and everybody are out there watching him. So he uh, makes it back to his um his apartment or his uh the building where he works and he he goes in there gets his gun and uh the cops are following him a little and they they kind of catch up to him again but he he keeps uh, giving them the slip because when they try to run into the the, the office building where he works this is all at night they're like hey did Paul Kersey come in he goes yeah he just he just left and then so they go shit so they still go running after him so he's uh he's walking along let me see uh, let me read this part right here. Ochoa soon suspects Paul is about to make an uh make to eh, about to make an arrest when the district attorney intervenes and tells Ochoa we don't want him. The district attorney and the police commander do not want eh, want the statistics to get out that Paul's vigilant vigil eh, vigilantism, <laughs> however you say that, is led by uh, a drastic uh, decrease in street crime. Um, decrease in street crime. They fear that if said information becomes public knowledge, the whole city city will descend into into vigilante uh, chaos. If Paul is arrested, he will surely be labeled a martyr. Ochoa does not like the idea, but relents uh, to ops and scaring him off. Instead, one night Paul shoots two more muggers being wounded. Okay, those are the guys they shot on the train station. And then, oh no no wait. Okay, it says one night Paul shoots two more muggers before. Being wounded in the leg by himself. Yeah, he comes across these um, these other two uh, black guys that are following him, and uh, 
was it two or three? I, I can't remember. He's just walking along. Um, and there's a, if you look at the, the, the poster of it, it's when he's turned around and he's standing on these stairs. He's, um, he's starting to walk down the stairs and then he sees these guys and they're coming to like, give us your money and you're surrounded. He looks up, he looks down, he sees the guys and, uh, uh, they got guns. So he turns around, blasts, uh, uh, I can't remember who, who gets shot uh, first, but he shoots, um, let me see if I can find an uh, ending. He shoots uh, the two guys, and then let me see. Is this oh, okay? No, that's the very very end. Um, he uh, catches the guys. Oh, no, they try to shoot. He shoots. He kills. Um, I think it was just two guys. I I can't remember everyone. I just watched this a few days ago. But he shoots one of the guys, and then one of the guys shoots and hits him. He gets, uh, he takes a, a round, and uh, one of them gets killed, and then he chases the other one. He chases them all, and then he follows uh, one, and they're like in this, um, I don't know, like construction area. So uh, that guy is running and running, and he doesn't. Um, He's not, he's looking around. He can't see uh, Paul Kersey, but then Paul, then he finds him. Paul Kersey's standing up on this, um, this catwalk of this, of uh, this construction area. And then he's like, he, he starts talking. I'm like, Hey, get your gun. And that guy, like he's holding his gun. And then Paul goes draw. So he was kind of doing like a, um, uh, a duel. So that guy's kind of like, He's looking at him and he's and then Paul, he's just standing there holding his gun. And then his eyes roll the back of his head and then he just he just collapses. So they're like, ah, they, they're not and that dude. The other guy, the black guy just takes off running. Well, but the cops come and everything. Uh, they, they find Paul. They kind of throw him in the ambulance. But uh, when the inspector gets there, um, he wants to talk to the or no, the, the first cop that was on the scene wants to talk to him so he, he tells him he's like yeah um uh, i was the first one here and he's like oh and he tells him and he goes look here and i i got this and he uh pulls out uh paul kersey's gun and gives it to the uh to, to ochoa and he goes nobody knows this you were the first one on the scene he goes yeah and he goes all right and he goes well you never seen this and so the cop was like um okay He's uh the the cop that's in this. He's um I know he was in Spinal Tap. I think he's the guitar player. Uh, he's 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 an actor that's been in in a ton of movies. I, the name his name is um not coming to me right now. Let me see if I can find who he is. I remember he was in the Long Riders. He was in Spinal Tap, and he was um he's been in so many movies. I, I can't uh, I don't even know his name. Let me see if I can. Uh, see it uh christopher guest that's his name he played uh patrolman riley uh for those of you guys that know him uh like i said he was he was one of the he was a guitar player in spinal tap if you guys have seen that movie uh it, it's crazy little mockumentary <laughs> type of film but it's funny but anyway yeah he he was the the first officer there and then he he kind of he gives uh, Ochoa the gun and he's like, "Don't you didn't you didn't see this?" 
Oh, you don't know nothing about this. So he's like, okay. So, but the, the Ochoa does go like, Hey man, what's your, what's your, what's your first name? And he tells him, he goes, all right. And he goes, I won't, I won't forget you. And I'm like, okay. So he walks off. So Ochoa goes to the, to the, um, to the hospital and, uh, Paul's laying there all laid up and he's everything. And he pulls uh, his gun out and says, look, I, I, I know you are. I know who you are. I know you were doing all this. He goes, I want to arrest you, but I can't. He goes, so what I want you to do is you need to leave town, go somewhere else. And he goes, you're, he goes, I know your, your company has other uh, branches, other places. So get out of town. If you don't, I'm going to arrest your ass. And then he goes, you get what I'm saying? And then tells him again, get out of town. And then Paul kind of looks up and goes, by sundown? And he kind of just smirks. And then he takes off. So next, uh, we were in uh, the Windy City in Chicago. And uh, uh, Kersey's just kind of just, all right, he's walking along. And he sees... uh, I don't know. I mean, there's crime everywhere, but again, this is a movie. He uh, meets up with this guy uh, that's uh, picking him up at the train station. He's another guy that you've seen in a ton of movies. I remember he was uh, Matthew Broderick's dad in um, uh, War Games. But anyway, so while he's talking to him, telling him, he goes, yeah, it's cool to beat you, and we're going to do this and that at work. These uh, wannabe street tough guys are walking along in the train station and they kind of knock this lady's uh bags out of her hand and he Paul goes up and helps her and they're uh he looks at them the street toughs and they look at him and they're being all stupid and he kind of just pulls up his his hand and makes the, the gun gesture with his fingers and his thumb pointing he points the his at him and he's smiling and that's that's the end of your movie um this movie was awesome i loved it um I've seen it a billion times. I had VHS, DVD, Blu-ray. I actually watched it on uh, one of these streaming things. I went to go see if it was there. It's gone already. It's, it's not streaming it. Well, the month changed over from June to July, and then they like they recycle their movies, so it's not streaming anymore. But this movie was awesome. Uh, came out again in 1974, July 24th of 1974. Rated R. The budget was three point seven million, and at box office twenty two million. So that was obviously a huge blockbuster hit. Can't say that for the next the next installments. Uh, well, two might have done good. I'm not really sure, but yeah. But that was it uh, for 1974's Death Wish. You and you out, not you. Death Wish 2, this one came out in uh, 
February 11th of 82 in the UK and then February 19th here in America. They did it before. They're doing it again. And they'll keep right on doing it unless someone stops them. When murder and rape invade your home, when the cops can't stop it, Bronson will his way. Charles Bronson in Death Wish 2. Radar. Give you a quick synopsis on what this one is. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it was good. I mean, I liked it. It gets cheesy when we get to the to the third film, but I, I do enjoy that one. Well, I'll talk about that one later. But Death Wish Two, um, uh, it wasn't as well. This this is the eighties, so it wasn't uh what the seventies one had in the main streets in the NYC because uh, because if you guys remember the end well you just heard it seconds ago <laughs> the end of the first one yeah he went to Chicago and this one he's in uh, he's in LA so I assume he did what he had to do over in uh, Chicago and then went over to LA to uh, keep the party going over there uh, he's still an architect. Um, he moved over there w- with his daughter. I assume his son-in-law uh, just couldn't handle the situation uh, with his wife, uh, Paul Kersey's daughter. So, because they don't even mention him or what uh, they got divorced. I, I don't know. They, they They didn't go into it, but she seems to be doing a little bit better. She's they say she talks, um, but she doesn't really say much in the film. But she's a little more outgoing. She's not like just laying there, sitting there. I mean, she's smiling and, and having a good time. She's just not really talking uh, to her dad. Well, at least in this film. But I'm trying to pull something up on my slow internet. I don't know what is happening here. guess I got to use my trusty phone but uh i saw this one i know i saw part of it at the drive-in like somewhere in the middle i couldn't tell you exactly what parts i saw but um and then i saw the whole thing when it came on tv again like the first time i'd seen it it was cut up so this one was cut up as well. I, I don't think I saw the actual whole full version, the rated R version, until it was a VHS. All right, this is what IMDb says. After using himself as bait to rid New York City of its muggers and death wish, Paul Kersey relocates to Los Angeles with his traumatized daughter, trying to wipe the slate clean and bury the past. However, once again, Paul catches the eye of a new bunch of savage street thugs. And before long, uh, rape and murder destroy his family. Now armed with his unforgiving semi-automatic Beretta 84 pistol. Okay. Uh, Kersey prowls the filthy back streets of L.A., eager to pick up where he left off and clean up the city. But Paul's brutal methods of justice is starting to attract unwanted attention. Will the police corner the notorious vigil- vigilante this time? 
That was kind of a lengthy <laughs> synopsis. I'm on IMDb. I think this is just what somebody wrote. Um, let me try uh, trusty Google. See what they have to say about this film. Death Wish 2. Okay, here we go. Relocating to Los Angeles from New York City, vigilante Paul Kersey wants to start a safer life for himself and his adult daughter, Carol, who has who was raped earlier, who was raped years earlier and still suffers from psychologically from the attack. But trouble finds Kersey, his house cleaner, Rosario, uh, and Carol are both Jeez, man, they really give this away. They are both gang raped in Kersey's home by a gang of thugs and Rosario dies. Well, spoiler alert. Kersey hits the streets, hunting down the criminals, refusing to stop until L.A. is safe. And this was directed by Michael Winner. And I don't know what's up with my internet. but And this was written by David Eaglebach. I think that was his name. Uh, based off the characters that Brian Garfield wrote from the first film. And this stars... Um, where the heck was I before? Huh? This stars, of course, the great Charles Bronson. A Jill Ireland. She plays Jerry Nichols. Uh, Vincent Gardena. Uh, Detective Frank Ochoa. He, he makes his... Uh, Return in this, uh, J.D. Cannon, Anthony, friends, Frank, I can't even pronounce that last name, Ben Frank, Robin Sherwood, Robert F. Lyons, and a very young Lawrence Fishburne. We got, we got Jeff Goldblum in the first one. There's a few guys in this is like, oh, hey, that guy type of thing in this, but, um, yeah, so this this one takes place uh says roughly 8 years since the events of the first film film Paul Kersey has managed to recover from his shattered life and moved on in uh moved on and is now living in Los Angeles and working as a freelance architect. One of his clients is close friend who owns a radio station for whom he is designing a new building and he is also dating one of the reporters Jerry Nichols. Yeah, so he moved on from his life. I mean, just other than he got ran out of New York, I went to Chicago. I assume he did what he had to do there. Maybe he was finished with whatever. They don't really explain any of this. And then he ends up in uh, L.A. Leaves the east to the west to just uh, keep his life going. Uh, like I said, his daughter is doing much better than she was before from the first film. Um. So he's just doing his thing, and he, he hooks up with Jerry Nichols. She's a reporter at one of the, the um, oh excuse me, at the, the local TV station. I guess is that what I said? Uh, I'm just reading this off of uh, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> no, it's a radio station. Why do I think it was a TV station? I must be thinking of someone else. Um, uh, what's her name? They got the one that Jill Ireland. Played uh, Jerry Nichols. I believe she was dating Bronson. Maybe they were married. I'm not really sure. Because um, she looked familiar. I think she was in another movie with Bronson. Yeah. Um, Assassination. I haven't seen that in a while. I think she was uh, 
the first lady and Bronson was uh, her bodyguard and all hell breaks loose uh, in that one. I haven't seen it. I saw it once. I don't really remember much of it. And I guess she was in uh, another movie, another Bronson movie. Oh, I'm assume, I assume they were married because it was a film that came out in 75 called Hard Times. But so, yeah, she uh, she pops up in this. Um, so. And this one, like I said, they're, they're doing their thing. He's kind of got his life back together. Um, but then they're out one day uh, just kind of hanging out. And and I look like they were in Venice Beach or somewhere. And these street toughs come along. And Lawrence Fishburne is one of them. Also, what was the other gentleman's name? He was in, um, I remember he was in Platoon. And I th- believe there was five of them i think so they kind of they see her oh they um paul's going over to get uh, ice cream and they kind of walk up on him because they see him like pulling money out of his pocket so they walk up and they bump him and one of them takes the money out of his hand and uh, another guy pickpockets him real quick so so Paul's kind of like just like oh okay whatever. I mean he kind he kind of did get it get into it with them, <laughs> and uh, cause right here okay it says um where is he? They spend the afternoon oh at the fairground where Paul's wallet is stolen by a gang of consisting of Nirvana, Punk Cut, Stomper, Cutter, and Jiver. Okay, so that's one, two, three. Okay, that's six of them. The gang spits, uh, splits up when Paul chases them, and he goes to pursue uh, Jiver, whom is who whom he corners in the alley, but is let uh, lets the hood go after uh, Jiver tells Paul that he he doesn't have his, he doesn't have his wallet. So okay, so they took his wallet, and uh, they all kind of ran. So he kind of chased after him, and he cornered that one guy down this alley. And he goes, look, man, I ain't got your wallet. So he kind of just goes, all right, we'll get lost. But those guys have his uh, wallet, so obviously his ID is in there. So they go to his house. Mainly, they were just going to beat him up because Jiver wasn't going to let this thing slide. So when they when we're at when we're in it when bleh, when we go to his house, um, he's got his housekeeper. She's there. <laughs> And um Okay, yeah, his housekeeper's there. She's there getting getting uh dinner ready and uh all these street toughs show up and they kind of just uh one of them knocks on the front door and says that he has a delivery, but then uh when she she doesn't open the door, she asks, Well, who's it from? And then the the guy the other guys in the back, they break through the back door. And then the other guy comes charging into the front, so they knock out the um the uh the 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 house the housekeeper. And then uh, Paul and his daughter come home, and when they come in, they knock him out, and then he kind of just passes it. He falls down, and then they uh, end up um uh wait a minute, and I think they knocked him out later i can't remember i just watched this and i already just forgot about it all um let me see the gang finds paul's home uh address in his wallet and then later breaks into the house they gang and restrain rosario paul's housekeeper 
Then they begin to take turns raping her. Okay, all right, yeah. So when they when they busted in there, they ended up uh, raping his housekeeper. And then it says when Paul arrives home with his daughter, he is beaten unconscious. Okay, so that was it. So he comes in, he sees his housemaid laying there. She's naked and she's laying there like I think she's pretty much dead. And then they come and they they knock him out and then. Uh, they they kind of wrecked the apartment a little bit, and then they're like, "Hey, man, his daughter is there," and she kind of doesn't really, she doesn't scream, she doesn't do anything, she doesn't really know what's happening. So they're like, "All right, well, we need to, uh, we need to get out of here." They said, "Well, let's bring her because she's seeing our faces and she can tell the cops." So they uh, throw her in the van, and they all just take off. And then Paul wakes up and he sees uh, his his housekeeper is dead. And so he's like, oh, man. So he's just and his daughter's missing. So they don't really know. Uh, well, he doesn't know what happened. He just assumes that those those guys stole her. So we go to their uh, to their clubhouse or wherever they were, some kind of warehouse. And um, they're like, well, what are we going to do? What are you going to do with her? And then they kind of like start looking at her and then they end up uh, raping her. But then when uh, one of them finishes, she kind of just jumps up really quick. And runs and then just dives out this window. They they're obviously up up high on the second floor. I don't know what floor they're on, but then when she falls out the window, she lands on there's like a um a metal gate with the little pointy uh, little gate things bar gate bars, and she just whoo, gets impaled by one of those, so she's dead. So the cops are they. Paul Paul's trying to talk to the cops. Well, what's up? You guys know uh, anything about my daughter? And they're like, oh, we don't know. But then the call comes in. Yeah, man, we we need you to come down. And uh, we think we found your daughter. So he goes down to identify the body. And he, it's his daughter. And then he, he goes. He's also going down there with um uh, his girlfriend, Jerry. So she's kind of they're like, oh, man. So he's kind of like. He's hurt and he's crushed and heartbroken and everything, but he kind of just goes home and just tells Jerry, like, you look, you know what, just um go ahead and 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 go. Go home and I'll I'll be okay. But uh, like you said earlier, he he's seen them all, so he knows what they all look like. And then when he got there, he knows that they're the ones that broke into his house. So what he does, he kind of starts looking around LA and just looking uh, for these guys, um, I end up uh, having the funeral for for his daughter, and then he um, he gets a gun. Uh, it says a little uh, Beretta uh, Model eighty four handgun. <laughs> so he gets that, and then he um, goes to some little sleazy pay by the hour um, hotel or motel or whatever downtown. And he just gets a room. And uh, puts all his little gear. And uh, in, in the first film, he was just strolling around in a suit and a trench coat, uh, blasting fools. In this one, he kind of gets like um, one of those uh, longshore fisherman's coats. And he's got gloves on and he's got a beanie. And he just starts walking around uh, L.A. trying to figure out or find these guys that, that murdered his uh, or murdered his housekeeper and uh, kidnapped his uh, his daughter. So then this is when it all starts to go down. He finds the first guy. He kind of just follows him. 
and he sees that there um there's two of the guys he follows them down to some uh, apartment and they're like they go downstairs into i think it's an apartment or some something but he goes downstairs and he sees them and it looks like they were trying to do a um uh, a drug deal because they have little bags of, I don't know if it's heroin or Coke or whatever, most likely Coke because uh, cocaine was big in the 80s. So he goes down there and he's like kind of peeking down, watching them. And then he like bumps a little beer can or whatever and it goes falling down the stairs. So they turn around and he just uh, commences to start blasting. So it's the two guys that he's chasing. And then there's two other dudes or three other guys down there. Uh, he shoots uh, one of them. He, he he ends up getting killed. And then he tells uh, the other two guys that have nothing to do with it. He goes, all right, you two get out of here. So they, they go running off. And uh, the other guy he's uh, talking to, he uh, he shoots him. And no, he's, he's, he goes, uh, he, he's talking to him first. And the guy's got like a, um, a cross on, big old gold crucifix and, it's the it's the clip I played right before this. He's like, "Do you believe in Jesus?" And he's like, "Yeah, I do." And he goes, "Well, you're about to meet him," and then just blasts him. He falls down, and then he kind of walks up on him again and bah, give plugs him another time. So he ends up uh, going down, and he gets he's dead. And he just gets the hell out of there. Uh, the cops they're all starting to figure out what's all right. Well, there's these guys are dead. So at this point, they don't really know what's what's happening. But he, he kills them. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was this okay? It's, it's a, an abandoned building, is what it says here. Uh, it says the next evening he just follows. Uh, oh, I guess that guy's name was Stomper into a bunch. These are the two guys that he just kills. It says Paul shoots one of the dealers and orders the others to leave. Oh, okay, so he she there was. I want to say he we went down there with two. Uh, but I know he shot one of the dealers and he told the other two to take off and then he kills Stomper. Okay, that was his name. And he was the one with the crucifix and then ends up shooting him. Uh, then the next night, he's kind of just walking around and he hears uh, some screaming uh, like in a um, uh, like a parking lot, under underground parking lot. So he, go, he kind of goes down there to see uh, who who it is, and it's a couple. Uh, they're getting robbed by muggers, and I think there's uh there's two guys. It's uh three black guys, uh two of them, and then the other guy, Jiver. I think that's his name, the dude that actually raped uh his daughter, but he doesn't know that. So he goes down there and he sees them robbing uh this couple. So he goes up, he blasts uh the other two guys. Uh, Jiver kind of runs off and then he chases him and then he ends, he catches him and, uh, oh, cause he, he shoots him and then, uh, Jiver takes off, but he leaves like a, a blood trail. So he kind of chases him around and then he finally catches up to him and then he just ends up killing him. So that's what? One, two, three, four, five, <laughs> five guys dead by now. So the cops and everybody are really going, okay, this is a, a vigilante situation. What are we going to do? Um, one of them, one of the, the, the detectives or whatever, because you know what? This is kind of reminds me of a, um, a situation that was going on in New York. 
Uh, and then they're kind of like, all right. So they said, well, give uh, New York a call and see if they can help us with uh, this case on what they did uh, over there to stop the, the vigilante. So uh, this is when uh, Detective Frank Ochoa, he kind of comes uh, into play and they're talking to him. They look, look, man, you you uh, you helped solve this case in New York. But it was basically never solved because they let him go or they basically ran him out of town. So he's like, well, uh, he goes, well, this is we didn't never uh, really caught him. We kind of just it just crime just kind of just stopped. So when they're the, the higher ups in New York said, look, you got you need to go out to L.A. and help them figure it out because they do kind of figure out they find out that Paul is in LA and all this is happening again. So they kind of look it up and then they find out that uh, his wife, his well, daughter was kidnapped. His, his maid was murdered and raped or raped and murdered. So Frank's kind of like, Oh man, I think uh, Paul was up to it again. So he goes out there to try to uh, figure out what's going on. But uh, Paul doesn't know. Paul Kersey doesn't know that uh, he's coming because Paul's only out for blood. He's just searching for the guys that did uh, the broke into his house. That's who he's looking for. He's not just like in the first film, he was just killing muggers and whoever got in his way. So, so Choa, he flies out to LA and they're trying to figure out uh, everything that's going on. So he's like, okay, so uh, Frank, he start he sees um, the other guys uh, in the gang. Um, and Lawrence Fishburne is one of them. I, I don't know what it was in the, in the eighties. They really kind of, the costume wise for bad guys, they really made them dress all crazy. Uh, wait until we get to death was three. It's in the, the, the wardrobe really got crazy, <laughs> but I, I don't know why they were, they were trying to do this. There, there was a lot of that craziness going on in uh in the 80s when it came to um gangs uh but i mean even like in the 70s with the warriors on how all some of those gang attire was real colorful and you guys got guys walking around top hats with uh mime uh face um paint and the guy the baseball furies with with their faces painted up running around in baseball suit or baseball uniforms I don't know. It, it, it didn't get that crazy. But they, if you've seen this film, just look up Death Wish 2 on uh, YouTube and, and you'll see the how what I'm talking about. Especially Lawrence Fishburne. He was really hamming it up uh, in this film. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it was funny, man. You got to start somewhere. I mean, he, of course, he was Cowboy Curtis in Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Um, we all know where his career went. Uh, after all this so um he he sees uh lawrence fishburne and the other guys he sees them uh, in a park and he's kind of just watching them watching them and then he he starts to uh follow them and kind of knows uh where they hang out and everything so he kind of this is all during the day because he sees them so what he does he um of course, he's still trying to deal with uh, his girlfriend, and she's still doing her thing, and she's also doing uh, reports on um, 
the the gang violence and the vigilante that's going on in uh, in L.A. But they're not they don't really know what uh, happens here. So um, he follows those guys, Lawrence Fishburne and the rest of those guys to um uh, oh they um. Achoa and these other cops, they're like, look, okay, we're, we're going to follow him. So we need to follow him. So they really started to tail him around. He ended up getting on a bus because he was following those guys. They got on a bus. Oh, no, the guys got on a bus. He jumped in a, a cab and told that cabbie, look, man, just follow them. So they start. No, or, no, that was Achoa who jumped in the cab. <laughs> Paul Kersey was on the bus uh, following those guys. Uh, Achoa jumped in the um, in the cab and went after them. So Paul Kersey followed them to, uh, I don't know, some kind of park or something. Uh, so when they when they get down there, he's uh, lurking around in the bushes and he's watching them. And uh, we see that those guys, Lawrence Fishburne and the other guys, are, uh, at first I thought it was a drug dealer, but it was like um, this guy pulls up in the big Cadillac and he opens up the trunk and he's got like machine guns and handguns and uh, everything. So they're basically going to buy uh, weapons from this guy. So, but uh, Paul, he, he's kind of lurking around. Achoa's following him as well. So he kind of follows him to this, to the area where they're at. And he's hiding in the bushes and he's looking around. He's got binoculars. He sees uh, Paul Kersey. And then he kind of looks around, kind of scanning the zone. And then he sees this um, sniper up in the up in the tree so and that sniper sees paul so he's a taking aim to shoot him and then ochoa just kind of hey look out and then everyone turns around and paul sees him up there and no uh ochoa blasts the sniper he falls out of the tree i don't know wait let me see okay paul is attempts oh, da, 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 da. a sniper scouts uh paul and attempts to kill him but ochoa warns paul and fate Fatally shoots the sniper. Okay, yeah. So Ochoa warned him because he goes like, hey, watch out. And then he looks up there and Ochoa just starts to open fire on that sniper. He falls down. All the other guys uh, that were dealing, doing the guns, they kind of turn around. They, they're just grabbing guns out of the trunk and they're just firing because Ochoa is firing. Uh, Paul is firing at him. And he's they're just like both taking turns and they're just blasting them. Uh, they're killing the the arms dealer guys. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne, he's trying to run away. He's got a uh, a gun or a, a big uh, boombox, and he holds it up. And Paul shoots uh, through the radio and blast hits him in the head. Uh, there's another guy trying to run. He shoot. He kills a couple of the, uh, the 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 guns deal the gun dealing guys. And then um, one of the dudes, uh, it was a white guy. Uh, he he ends up getting away. What the heck was his name? Um, Nirvana is what they're calling. But this was probably the biggest uh, action scene in, in the film, other than the, the shootout. So he basically Ochoa and those guys all shoot and kill all the all the bad guys. Um, what's his name? Uh, Ochoa ends up getting blasted. He gets shot. And then he kind of, uh, he just kind of keels over. But before he dies, he's like, get those motherfuckers. And he's like, all right. So he kind of goes chasing after him. The, the the main drug dealer, Joe, or the guns dealer, he gets in his Cadillac and tries to drive away. 
But then uh, Paul starts blasting at them, and then he ends up shooting the driver, and he goes driving off this cliff. Here He goes crashing through a fence. The car does this flip down this ravine, and then <laughs> big huge explosion. So he he's ending up dead. So, but yeah, everyone that was at that deal uh, got shot. Um, but one of them got away, I believe. I think that was the Nirvana guy. So, let me see. Okay. Um, the arms dealer tries to get away. Paul shoots him, causing him to drive off a cliff, and his car explodes, but Nirvana escapes. Ochoa tells Paul to avenge him before he dies. Paul escapes, and Puckett dies from his injuries after information about Nirvana to the police. Yeah, so that guy Puckett, he was one of the guys that... Uh, was um rolling with that with Lawrence Fishburne's gang. And so they kind of the, the cops kind of like, you need to tell us something. But then he ends up telling the police who that guy that got away, basically telling them his name. So they they go, all right, well, we, we know who he is and we know where he lives. So they, they kind of go and they end up catching him. Um, But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> um. Because uh, Paul ends up just, he ends up getting away. They they find Ochoa. They find out he's dead. So Paul, he kind of follows him. He, he kind of knows exactly where, where Nirvana is. So he's kind of just like, all right. So he kind of follows him. Uh, there, there was a whole police stakeout around this apartment because they see Nirvana with two girls. And they go into this apartment. And they're like, all right, we need to take them. They said, well, wait a minute, let him let him get upstairs first. Because <laughs> there's like SWAT guys on on the surrounding buildings on the roof, not even trying to hide. You can just clearly see them standing there. Uh, there's a big old sting operation going on outside. There's police hiding in this big van, and they're they're just kind of waiting for him to get in there so before they go charging in there to get him. So, but. Uh, Paul, he's like, he's still trying to get him, too. He kind of sneaks through the back. Uh, he goes upstairs and everything. And the police see, they go, hey, man, some guy just jumped from the roof on into the building. And they're like, well, I, he's nobody. Just don't don't worry about him. So it says, Paul, okay, right here. It says, Paul learns from one of Jerry's colleagues that the police are preparing a tactical unit to capture Nirvana. Uh, he found out because um, he got a... Uh, he was at the radio station one day and he was asking, how do you guys find out where all these uh, stories are going on? They go, oh, we got um, police scanners. And he's like, oh, well, where can I get one of those? And they're like, oh, well, we have one. But it's an old one. We got new ones. So if you want that one, take it. So that's how he was able to figure out where Nirvana was and finding out well, what was going on with this sting operation. Or not sting operation, with this uh, operation where they were just trying to get him. So... Uh, I says by monitoring police radio track, he radio track he finds out where the arrest is going to take place. He drives to the location to kill him, but Nirvana, uh, under the influence of PCP, slashes his arm and stabs a few of the officers while he tries to escape. All right, so when he goes in there, he tries to bust in into the apartment and kills him, but Nirvana comes out and he's all just hopped up on PCP. He ends up kind of cutting uh, Paul in the arm and then, but gets away. He's the cops are trying to come in and he kind of roughs some of them up. He goes out into the street. There's a big, huge brawl. They shoot him with um, the uh, taser gun, those little things that come out and, uh, with a little uh, 
chargers that stab into you and he pulled those out and the cops were beating. He was flipping the cops, beating them all up. And then they just kind of just mobbed on him. So he's arrested, ends up going to jail. But uh, during his trial, he just his lawyer and everyone said all this. He was under the influence of drugs, but he's criminally insane. So he can't go to to jail. We need to put him into a mental institution. So like, all right, well, that's where he's going. So Paul's like, uh, he finds out exactly. Okay, he knows uh, where he's at and what's going on. So what he does, he goes to to the mental institution and he's kind of like trying to figure out how how am I going to get this guy? Um. Uh, okay, let me see what it says here. Uh, okay, he slashes a few officers escape. Tried and found killing and Sandy is sent to a mental institution. Jerry is writing a story about the case of capital punishment and takes Paul to the hospital to meet the doctor treating Nirvana. All right. So that's how he goes there. Well, he, she tells him that she's, she's going to do this story. And he's like, well, I'll just come along with you. So he ends up going. So, but while they're talking, he kind of lingers away and starts wandering around the halls. He goes into the um, little locker room where I guess where all the, the doctors and everything change. He looks around trying to find open lockers, but everything's locked, but he finds a, uh, uh, one of those white lab coats just kind of hanging on a locker and it's got um, somebody's badge on it. So he ends up taking that. He goes home and he makes copies of the badge, but he kind of, he's just kind of using the, the, the main badge, except for he kind of whites out the, the picture and he whites out the name that's on it. And then he puts his picture on there. He writes a name and everything. So that's how he's going to be able to get in into this hospital to get Nirvana. So he kind of he, he he's all geared up. He goes in there. And this is the last guy that he's got to kill. So he, he goes in there and then he's kind of walked around, tells the the doctors like oh, tells the, all the other people. And he's like, OK, well, I'm here to meet um, uh, whatever his real name is. I can't remember what they called him. So. He he kind of goes, all right, so one of the dudes, uh, he was Sheriff Brackett in uh, Halloween. I can't remember the actor's name, but he's the, the like one of the security guards in there, in that ward in, where um, Nirvana's at. So he kind of goes, all right, well, I just want to, I want to talk to him and everything. So like, okay, so he kind of lets him in there. Nirvana's sitting there at the table and he comes walking in and he's like, yeah, what? So... Paul kind of just turns, um, he turns around and he has his gun like he's going to shoot him. But then it turns into uh, a big fight. Uh, Nirvana pulls out a, a little, he had a little shank in his shoe. So he, he stabs Paul and then uh, they, they start fighting. And then uh, when there's like, a, oh, they go into the room where I guess they electrocute him. I don't know what that treatment is called. I don't know if they do that today, but he, um, when they're fighting around, Paul's leaning up against uh, the one of the machines, and uh, Nirvana swings in to punch um, Paul, but his hand goes, kind of breaks through this glass and goes into the uh, the little big giant electric machine. And then Paul goes over there and flicks the switch and it just basically shocks and kills him. So Nirvana is dead. 
Paul's kind of laying there still, and he's got a big stab wound on him. And then he's kind of like, oh, man. But then this is when the, the security guard comes in. He looks uh, in there, and he kind of just tells him. He sees that he killed Nirvana. He kind of puts two and two together on uh, who he is. And then he's just like, all right, um, I'll give you three minutes to get out of here before I set the alarm. And he's like, oh, he goes, all right, you better get going. So Paul just kind of like hauls ass and, and gets out of there. So, but while all this was going on, he, uh, Jerry was supposed to meet him at his house. And then, um, while she goes into, cause they were going to go off to like Acapulco or Puerto Rico somewhere. They were going to go on, go away for vacation so she goes to his house with her, her um uh with all her, her luggage and everything. She goes into the house, she sees a uh, waste basket full of crumbled up pieces of paper. She sees one that's uh laying on the floor. So she picks it up and she opens it up and she sees that it's the one of the a, a printout or a, a copy of the badge. And he was trying to write something there, but he just scribbled it out and did another one. So she kind of put two and two together and figured out like uh she knows what he was doing because she hears on the radio about. Uh, well, let me see what it says here. Uh, Donald K is a sympathetic orderly in the hospital. Okay, the sheriff Brackett. His name is Donald K. He's a sympathetic orderly of the hospital. Recognizes Paul for the newspaper coverage. Uh, and Carol's uh, of Carol's. Okay, so when that that uh, orderly or whatever when he sees him. Uh, he knows who Paul is because he said he read uh, about the murder of his daughter and everything. So he said, give it three minutes, get out of there. I says, Jerry goes to Paul's house and she finds out uh, that he made a fake doctor's ID. Upon hearing the news upon Nirvana's death on the radio, she realizes that Paul really is the vigilante that Ochoa claimed him to be. She takes off her engagement ring and leaves it, uh, leaves it uh, on like she's oh she unfold that paper she unfolded she kind of set that on on a counter and then she took her ring engagement ring off set it on that and got out of there. Uh, earlier in the film, uh, Ochoa he he kind of meets up with um with Jerry and tells her like look uh, I don't know if he ever told you but he he was a vigilante in New York and he was killing all these people and then she was like wait what I thought you guys never caught him and he's like we didn't. But he was the one that was doing it. We let him go. But she didn't believe him because she kind of just, oh, whatever, you're a cop and you're, you're trying to be, uh, just trying to fool her. So, but yeah, so when uh, Paul ends up coming home and then he finds everything. So he's kind of like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. And it says a few months later, Paul is attending a presentation of his building design for the radio station and the owner invites him to the launch party but questions why Paul always seems to be unavailable in the evenings and never takes any of his phone calls. When Paul accepts the invitation, he answers, well, what else am I doing? And then this is pretty much the movie. He says the final scene shows Paul returning the streets of Los Angeles at night and continuing his vigilante killing spree as the film finishes. So yeah, because there was people that were trying to get a hold of him and they said, yeah, well, we, we call you and you never answer. And he was like, well, uh, I don't answer my phone at night. I just, I'm just doing my thing. But when we see uh, 
when they asked him, he goes, oh, I'm just, well, what are you doing? And then we see uh, the streets, um, downtown L.A. or wherever, and we see his shadow. He's kind of just walking along. And then we hear, then that's the, the end of the film. So he's back out on the streets, uh, continuing his uh, his street justice as a vigilante. And then that's the end of your film. Um, what I learned um, in the first film, because well, the music in this, especially the music in the first film was really good. Good old 70s uh, kind of groovy music and everything. Uh, that was all done by Herbie Hancock. And the music that was done in this one was done by Jimmy Page. Because in the beginning, it's real kind of little rocky intro. And throughout, there's a lot of guitar playing. Uh, and I never realized that until this watch uh, that, that Herbie Hancock and Jimmy Page. Herbie Hancock did the first film. Jimmy Page did the second one. And I believe Jimmy Page did the music again in the third one. But we'll we'll get to that one when we get to it. But all right. Uh, the budget for this film was $8 million. And it boxed office $16.1 million. So obviously it made its money back. Uh, the first one was probably the biggest hit out of all of them, I think. Um, but this one, I mean, it was good. It was a good continuation uh, to uh, Paul Kersey. I didn't I didn't even think there was going to be more after the first one. But then when I, I remember seeing uh, on the marquees and posters that there was a Death Wish 2. I wish I would have got to see it in the theater, but I, but I didn't. But um, I like this movie. It's really good. It's a little goofy, but not. It gets goofier, uh, especially in, in the third one when we when I'm talking about that one. But this one, uh, I enjoyed the film. Out of all the films, um, the the first one is my favorite. It was like just hands down. From what I understand, there is five films. There's one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Uh, next one's just Death Wish three. Then the fourth one is Death Wish four, the Crackdown, and then the fifth one is Death Wish: The Face of Death. I've never seen the last two. I've only seen the um, the first three. So I'm all I'm all in uh, on these films. Um, the third one, uh, yeah, I'll get to that when I when I get to it, but. Um. Yeah, that was uh, Death Wish and uh, Death Wish 2. They were streaming, but I don't think they're streaming anymore. Um. Because uh, yeah, on Amazon they were they were streaming. I think they were streaming all of them, but now now they're not. I, I you know how these streaming services are. Once the month is up, they change it. So, but. I watched the the first two. I have, I think I have the Blu-ray with the the next three on it, so I'll have to watch it that way. But um, that is it, everyone, for the first part of my little uh, Death Wish uh, reviews and everything. I don't think I've ever did any of these films yet. So within was it 2016 when I started doing all this. I I know it was January of I think of 2016 when I started the Magnez and then E Society came along. I think that was just later on in the year. And Zisu and I've been doing it to all that time, but I know he won't watch these films, so um, I'm gonna do. It. I was talking to one of my friends and he, he 
he was telling me, are you going to do the, the remake? I, I might as well. It'll, it'll be the very last one. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try to at least put two for each episode. And then, so I, cause I didn't want to do full six episodes with anything, but anyway, just rambling everyone. So that, that's it. Uh, this episode do come back for more and please follow us on Facebook. Just search East society, go over to our other feed, East, East, uh, ESP, Spotify for podcasters. Uh, just search uh, Magnez and you'll find it or just go down below. There's links to, to our Facebook page or Spotify for podcasters feed. Uh, there's a link to our YouTube page, a link to our T public page. Uh, please pick up an E Society shirt or a Magnus podcast shirt. Follow us on Twitter, E Society Pod, at Magnus Pod, at Theo Zisu. Instagram, E Society Podcast, at The Zisu, at Magnus Pod. Uh, and follow us on TikTok, E Society Pod. And if you want to hear me for more, uh, if you don't know, uh, I am part of the, the wrestling or the rest it will wrestling returns as well. Uh, the horror returns. Just go over to the horrorreturns.com and there's links to all the shows that I'm a part of. The wrestling returns, action returns, THR presents stream fiends, and I occasionally on the the main show horror returns every now and then. So, but also follow uh, the wrestling returns on Twitter and Instagram. It's the underscore wrestling underscore returns. That's on Instagram. Twitter, it's the underscore W underscore returns. So, again, just go to thehorrorreturns.com for everything. So, all right. That is it for tonight. I will be back. Um, I don't know. Got to watch the next few movies. So, maybe next week, maybe the week after. I don't know. But either way, come back for more. Uh, we got a regular episode coming, so definitely check that out as well. And listen to everything here on our Podbean feed. Then go over to Spotify and listen to or Spotify for podcasters and listen to all uh, the junk we got over there. So, but with that, everyone, please be safe out there. Like these movies, these streets are crazy. Just be careful wherever you're at, even in little towns. Just be careful. Look, always look over your back. Check your surroundings. If, if possible, have a partner with you. And just be safe out there. So until then, come back next time. And always remember to party on. Party on.